Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Stem Cell at Lunch podcast. My name is Eleanor and I'm a PhD student at King's College London. Today I'm really lucky to have with me Professor Christina Lucelso, a professor at Imperial College London. Hi Christina, how are you doing? Hi Elena, I'm good, thank you. So thank you very much that you're joining me here. So can I just ask you to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and the focus of your research? So I first studied and first became interested in stem cells during my undergraduate studies in Italy, in Torino University. Um, at the time, stem cells were sort of becoming popular and they seemed like this holy grail that could solve every issue in medicine. Uh, and it was very promising and very fantastic. Um, and I have to say, I think it's still the case and I'm still equally interested and enthusiastic about stem cells and, and the potential that, that we have and all we can gain from learning uh, about how they work. Um, after that, uh, I did my PhD uh, in University College London, and specifically I was based at the Cancer Research UK uh, London Research Institute labs in Lincoln's Field. Um, I studied ep the epidermis with Fiona Watt, uh, and that was an incredibly enriching experience, uh, especially because we could see uh, the epidermis really well. We could see epidermal cells, where they were, we could see the expression of markers. Uh, I was able to activate stem cells um, in the skin of transgenic mice on demand and figure out what would make them become malignant and how could have uh, malignant growth uh, regress. Um, the only frustration that I had during my PhD is that, again, at the time, and the situation is very different now, um, we weren't actually able to precisely identify epidermal stem cells. We couldn't quite point the finger at a specific cell on the slide and say, that's the stem cell. Um, and so I, a little bit reluctantly at first, but eventually I ended up uh, making myself familiar with the facts analysis and the use of several cell surface markers. And this might sound a little bit jargony, but it's basically uh, using a, a number of different traits that we can analyze all at once in a relatively short period of time uh, that we can uh, take advantage of when we look for blood stem cells. And so I um, jumped off the boat of uh, um, uh, epidermal stem cells and joined that of uh, hematopoietic stem cells. Um, and I mostly did that because uh, the person I went to work with for my postdoctoral training was David Scadden, and he was a, a true pioneer at the time because he had recently kick-started the whole field of the blood stem cell niche by identifying uh, that mice that had more bone-making cells and more bone also had more blood stem cells. So that was, was very exciting. But he had also teamed up um, with a physicist whose name is Charles Lin, and he, he was based uh, at Harvard as well and just next door. And he was building what at the time were sort of like sci-fi um, microscopy instruments. And, uh, and he was able to actually see blood precursor cells inside uh, the bone marrow, inside the bone of mice. And so I thought, let's try and put these two things together. We can use uh, all these markers or all these traits to identify hematopoietic stem cells. And there is this fantastic microscopy that can be used to see where they are. Um, let's see if we can find them. And this is how my adventure began. And now I've been running my group for about 10 years at Imperial College, and we keep using uh, intravital microscopy to look at uh, stem cells and other cell types within the bone marrow. 
of mice. Uh, we are actually very exciting at this precise moment we are building our new microscope. You mentioned you're mainly working with mice work um, and that your whole system is developed on mice. So I've been looking a bit into the field and I feel like a lot of people are pushing to go into the in vitro models by using hydrogels to recreate the bone marrow. So do you think that the field of research is basically moving in this direction or do you think that mice models are still essential for everything? I think that we will be asking different questions. Um, I think the mouse models are brilliant in that mouse hematopoiesis is very similar to human hematopoiesis. Um, and when we are looking at the hematopoietic system in a mouse, we know we are looking at the whole thing and we are not missing any important part. And so we can study mechanisms there. Of course, if we want to translate our findings findings to um patients and we want to be clinically relevant, we have to make all of this relevant for uh, humans. And so eventually we will have to uh, manipulate and, and uh, handle human cells. And so then having equivalent models that allow us to uh, study and manipulate the human hematopoietic system are incredibly important. And, uh, and uh, I would say as much as the, the stem cell field in terms of biology was super exciting when I joined it. I think the bioengineering field is now the super exciting thing that can take the stem cell field to a whole, uh, to, to, to the perfect next level. Yeah, I totally agree, especially because I actually come from a bioengineering background. So um, as you mentioned, you actually went all over the world to, first you did your postdoc in Harvard, you did your PhD in London, but your undergrad in Italy. So how would you say that these experiences have shaped you as a scientist? And would you recommend to young scientists to actually go out and experience the world? I would. Um, I guess the more years I have on my back, the more sort of, um, I guess the more ex extreme or the more forceful I am in my in my suggestion. And I'm, I'm coming to understand that everybody should do what is right for them. Uh, and so traveling could be terrible for some people uh, who could still be wonderful scientists. And so they shouldn't travel all over the world just to, you know, make themselves miserable <laughs> because of science. Uh, for me, I always loved traveling. I actually always dreamed of, of moving around the world. And one of the things I discovered as in parallel, I was interested in biomedical research was that I was going to conferences and I was meeting people that had trained somewhere and did their PhD somewhere else and their postdoc somewhere else and started their group somewhere else again. And so I, I suddenly realized that actually there was an extra bonus uh, in, in science and, uh, and that could allow me to travel. And it was absolutely brilliant for me. Um, Independently of whether traveling is good or bad for you, um, scientifically, I still think it's interesting and, and useful because as you travel, you get to meet more different people. And so your network of interaction becomes wider um, and, and, you know, you, you meet a, a number of people during your PhD experience, and then you meet a number of people during your postdoc experience. And if those are geographically distant, chances are the people you meet are not overlapping and therefore you meet more and more diverse people. And uh, because the questions we're addressing these days are very challenging, and, and I don't think there is 
anybody anymore, actually any biologist out there that can uh, address a full question by by themselves, it is very important to be able to reach out to other people. If you move during your career as a scientist, you also are more likely to see different approaches to science and different styles of doing research and different, different environments in which research happens. And it's hard to say whether one would be better than another one, but having seen different ones helps you carve your own also almost your own, your own personality as a scientist and so that then you can work towards building your own ideal science environment that it's probably a result of all the ones that you've experienced. Yeah, thank you very much. I think it's a very good suggestion to say it's different for each person because nowadays everyone is trying to give you recommendations but it can become very confusing as an early career scientist. So as you already uh, 10 years into kind of your field of research, what do you think will be the next five years for your field? And what do you intend to do? I think, and this is not just because we have been doing it and so I'm particularly interested in it, but it's it's really over the last maybe, yeah, about 10 years, but maybe even less than that, we've started to really learn how of course, hematopoietic stem cells are great because they're easily transplantable. And as you take them from a patient and well, from a donor, and then you inject them into the following patient, that gives you a window of opportunity to manipulate them. Um, and that is fantastic. But we are really learning that hematopoietic stem cells are not the only targets that we have to have in mind when we want to tackle hematological disorders or diseases or malignancies. And and really, there is a lot to learn from the Bomaro microenvironment that the HSEs um, reside in. And what this is most ex- exciting for me is that the Bomaro micro, targeting the Bomaro microenvironment is going to give us further um, therapeutic approaches that can be used. But also, the more we understand the system, the better we can understand how to prevent disease itself. And so what I keep saying, I hope I will see, at least within my lifetime, I don't think it will be in the next five years, but I still think is is eminently achievable, um, is to see a much higher prevention of a whole lot of stem cell-related diseases and disorders. Because essentially the, 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 the constant, well, the, the most consistent uh, stress that stem cells face is aging and we all age and we all age you know as we do uh, but if we can age more healthily and it's becoming more and more evident that this is possible um, that would be fantastic for the whole of humankind. Uh, so now moving on from more science away so what would you say do you do to actually distract yourself from your busy day at work? Uh, I am now a mum I have a little one who turned two last week and so um, I get a lot of distraction from the busy days at work because, uh, and especially in the last few months, childcare has taken a lot of my time, uh, but it has been wonderful fun. Um, uh, Besides looking after little Emilia, I always loved cooking. Uh, I love growing vegetables. Um, I love traveling still. Um, and I have two cats that also provide a significant amount of fun. Um, so yeah, there's, I love art. So being in, based in London allows me to go to lots of museums, which is great. And little by little, these things are coming back. So it's great. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you.